The nail in the coffin! Episode 50 of The Nail. We are recording on Monday night. Uh, Trev, we were off last week. Uh, I know I had uh, some prior commitments. I think you did as well. Um, let's uh, let's get caught up here. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Ske- yeah, schedules lined up poorly last week. A lot of stuff going on. You were on the road. Um, I was out of town one day last week. So unfortunately, or Fortunately, I should say, uh, my travel schedule prevented me from watching the Browns on Thursday <laughs> evening, so that wasn't necessarily a down, a negative. Um, they didn't really seem to know what was going on last week either, so I guess we're all sort of in the same boat at the moment. Yeah, you know, I uh, I got off my uh, my flight coming back from Dallas on um, Thursday night, and you know, you get off airplane mode, and I checked the score of the game. I didn't even bother to DVR it or anything. And, um, I, it was like right at halftime. So I'm, I'm walking through the ghost town that is uh, Hopkins airport after like eight o'clock. And, uh, I was uh, checking the scores and I was like, wow, they actually seem like they're putting up a fight. They got a little bit of a pulse and got in my car just in time to hear the third quarter. And by the end of it, uh, Jim Donovan sounded like he was in dire need of a, a, a handle of bourbon or something, but um, it was certainly a tale of two halves similar to last time they played the Ravens didn't have, obviously didn't have quite the lead uh, hum they did last time, but they came out, they came out. Okay. I guess defense came out fine. And then, you know, the rest of it was just all downhill in the second half par for the course. So yeah, pretty standard stuff. Let's, let's put that on hold just for now. Um, when I was in Dallas last week, I was actually sitting in my hotel room on Wednesday night, just kind of killing time. And I had a lot of things I kind of wanted to just, you know, clear out of the way here that we haven't really gotten a chance to talk to. Most of it was a bunch of Brown stuff and NFL related stuff. And uh, I kind of figured that whenever we finally jump back on here and got to do this, that uh, we would get to all that. And um, you're not going to believe this, but uh, something more compelling than the Brown season uh, popped up in the meantime. So uh, shocking as that might be, um, we, uh, you know, we had a little bit of uh, all hell breaking loose in college football this weekend. Um, you know, a wise man that we both know uh, once told me that it uh, it's not a party until shit gets broke. Uh, I'd say on Saturday night, uh, the college football uh, playoff picture looked like Palmer Fest weekend in Athens, Ohio. So, uh, you know, let's uh, let's talk Ohio State and everything that happened here on Saturday and um, and what it means now. We've got, uh, what, two, three, and four? Uh, Clemson, Michigan, and Washington all going down? All go, all go down, two of them in spectacular fashion. Uh, the Washington-USC one was sort of a slow burn. You kind of saw where that one was going the whole game. Um, but, yeah, Ohio State was kind of in the uh, the precarious position of, you know, you're obviously rooting if you're an Ohio State fan you're obviously rooting for Ohio State but you're sort of forced from a logic standpoint at least to root for Michigan personally I have a hard time um, ever getting there for any reason I know in my head that Michigan winning um, until they play us is 
the most helpful for Ohio State and their chances of getting into the playoff. But quite frankly, I just hate Jim Harbaugh enough that I don't care. <laughs> so, so I was sitting there watching that game. And, yeah, there's a part of me saying, well, don't I want them to win? No. No. They can lose as much as they want for all I care. So Saturday night I was uh, over at our buddy uh, John Warner's house. Uh, shout out to John. I know he always uh, listens to this show. And, um, you know, a, a few of us were over there. And I, we were kind of flipping back and forth between the games. But I swear to God, watching that Michigan-Iowa game, it felt like Iowa was doing everything it possibly could to shoot itself in the foot in the fourth quarter. They, they had such an unbelievable uh, amount of momentum going, running the ball. And then just when you're looking for them to just like, you know, pound it up the middle or give it to that uh, number 25, his name escapes me at the moment. They're, they're like trying to throw it down the field. And uh, it was the old Woody Hayes thing. You know, you throw the ball and two, three things can happen and two of them are bad. It was, it was surreal to watch, I guess. But I, I guess the big question I wanted to ask you is, you know, Ohio State, the big picture here is there are four teams that make the playoff and Ohio state was number five going into the weekend and teams two, three, and four all lose in front of them. Is it possible that did this actually hurt their chances the way it played out? It It's, it did a little bit because if Michigan kept winning, Ohio state was going to control their own destiny. Um, they were trying to get to that point and that's what you want. I mean, you want to be in a position where if you just keep winning, everything else takes care of itself. They're now in the position where they need to sort of root for Michigan State to beat uh, Penn State in the last week of the season because, let's be honest, Rutgers isn't going to do it um, this week. So, in theory, if you subscribe to the fact that you need to win your conference to you know, make it to the playoff, um, yeah, they could, they, they did, it does kind of hurt, and they did kind of want Michigan to keep winning. Um Personally, I'm, I'm I'm sort of at the point where I think if Ohio State keeps winning, it doesn't matter if they're in the Big Ten championship game or not. Um, I don't think if it's Penn State, Wisconsin, which is what it's sort of looking like it could be. Um, I still think Ohio State's probably going to be the one to get in. Um, right or wrong, I just think that if, if the committee looks at it, especially if it's Wisconsin, because you look at Wisconsin, you're like, yeah, they won the Big Ten, but they really only won the Big Ten because they were in the West. Um they lost Ohio state and Michigan, you know, they weren't, if they were in the better division, they wouldn't have ever made the championship game. And it's, if, if you are comparing Wisconsin, Ohio state, you have to look and say, well, Ohio state beat them head to head on, on their field. So, um, I guess we'll just wait and see it. it this, the playoffs so young and it's so new that none of us really know what they think is important when they're putting it together. We know what they say, but when it comes down to it, who knows if that's actually what they follow. So the first two years of the playoff, it, it's kind of broken pretty nicely. You know, the first year when Ohio State got in, um, there were four, the four teams that made it were the four power conference uh, champions that won their conference outright. And the one that was the one conference that was left out was the Big 12 because they decided to have co-champs and Ohio State jumped them on the last day of the season when they, you know, won the, the Big 10 championship game and uh, blew Wisconsin out of the out of the uh, Indianapolis there, and then last year um, I think it was the Pac-12 that got left out they, the musical chairs game here because uh, they didn't have any team that had any less than two losses I don't think and every other 
power conference all had a team that was either undefeated or, or one loss and had great resumes. Um, you know, this year, I, I, like you said, I mean, it's, it's still a new system and don't forget the other thing. There's been some turnover on the committee. So it's not like these are the same people picking this every single year. And you never know if they are looking at the exact same things every single year. Um, the one thing I will say is I'm, I, are we at least in agreement that based on everything we've seen this year, homerism aside, Ohio state's one of the four best teams in the country. I think that's hard to argue. Um, especially with the way they're playing now. I mean, they came out of the gate kind of slow. Obviously they beat Oklahoma early and that's looking more and more impressive every week. Um, but overall the way they're playing, yeah, they had one bad game against Penn state where they had a couple like fluke, bad special play, uh, special teams plays that, that killed them. But other than that, they still, if you look at it, they still outplayed Penn State. Not knowing that really matters. That's, that's you know, sort of that revisionist fanboy sort of aspect to look at an individual game. But if you look at them head-to-head, I, I have a hard time thinking anyone would pick Penn State to, you know, beat Ohio State maybe more than one out of ten games. Um, and, and that's sort of what you have to if, – if that's what their ultimate goal is, is getting the four best teams in – um, yeah, personally, I think you have to say Ohio state's in there. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's exactly where I'm coming from. So I just, I really feel like this might be the year that we finally get a team into the playoff that didn't necessarily win their conference for whatever reason. Um, just because I think last year, I, I remember when you and I were doing some of our first episodes and we were starting to talk about Ohio state down the stretch the whole thing was, well, they haven't really played anybody through the first 10 weeks or so of the season, but they're going to have two really big, two or three really big games at the end of the year. And that's where they're going to, you know, make their hay, so to speak. And um, they lost one of those games and, and then the resume just wasn't there. Whereas like this year, I mean, you look at it, they beat Oklahoma, they beat um, Nebraska, they beat Wisconsin. And assuming that they would run the table, I mean, the the thing here to keep in mind is Ohio State does not have a margin for error. If they lose one of these next two games, they're they're out. And yeah, that's a given. That's fine. But assuming that they would run the rest of the way, that's you know now you're also throwing in a good win against Michigan as well. So um, that's as good I think as any team in the country as far as resume goes. And um, I think I even texted you this the other night. I, I said, I mean, if if they don't get in with that kind of a resume I and, and what the other teams are looking like right now, I don't know that you would ever have a case where an, a team that didn't win its conference title gets in. Yeah, it's sort of weird. I think this year especially, um, like Alabama this year, they're undefeated, and I mean they're playing really well, and they have been all year. Their resume is not that impressive. The SEC is not good this year. I don't care what anyone says. I know that CBS loves to tell you that they're showing you the best game in the best conference every week, but um, that hasn't been the case. Outside of Bama, that conference is garbage. A&M's decent, but they're not scaring anyone, really. And you look at the uh, SEC East, it's a train wreck. Whoever, it looks like it's going to be Florida. I'm not sure if that's officially like clinched yet at this point. It might be because I know Florida. I don't think they have any more SEC games. I'll um, tell you what, if if it if I'm unless I'm making a mistake here, which is entirely possible, um, I actually think Tennessee might have the line in 
Because like if if everything holds where it's at now, Florida gets it. But Florida's got that game against LSU that uh, got wiped out by the, the the storm a couple months ago. That got rescheduled. So, and I think they've got to play that game at LSU now. And if they lose that, that's um, you know I think that gives Tennessee the uh, the upper hand. Who won that game between the two of them? Because Tennessee's got three losses in the conference already, and Florida's got just two. Tennessee beat um, them. Tennessee beat Florida? Mm-hmm. Okay. Then, yeah, they would have the tiebreaker in that situation. Yeah, that Tennessee was a pretty good game. Assuming Tennessee wins their next two. Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just Alabama has to your that, point. Uh, whatever that garbage team they play this week is yeah. in, the, in the annual um, – <laughs> joke of a second to last week of the season that the SEC, An SEC tradition there. like no other oh, like no other exactly um but yeah either one neither of those teams is any good it doesn't that doesn't it doesn't it doesn't really matter which one gets in they're both bad um and outside of Alabama is there anyone in the SEC that you, that you really say yeah that's a really good team no and, and no. for whatever reason the committee has seemed to be in love with Texas A&M but I don't see it. I, I and I think they've already lost twice since the the weekly rankings have started coming out. So um, they're not it. I, I know LSU's played a little bit better as of late, but you know they took their shot at Bama and and they just got worn down and beaten. Um, yeah, it's. I, I think Bama's had the the best season so far of anybody in the country. But um, yeah, it, it, it's not built on you know the same murderer's road that going through the SEC would have been in the past four or five years. Um, it's funny because mo- there's there's a legitimate chance that we look back at Alabama's season and their best win was week one out of conference at USC. Yeah, especially the way USC's playing now. Right, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, Alabama's resume is not that great. They're, yeah, they're the only one that's unbeaten, so that obviously puts them at the top. But they're not just going against this murderer's row like the SEC has been in years past, I don't think. Just to bring this back to Ohio State, there's a hypothetical I want to throw at you. And, you know, it's not likely, but it's certainly not a non-zero chance of happening. Ohio State, you know, the, the this week's playoff rankings are going to come out, I think, tomorrow night, Tuesday night. And if the polls are any indication and common sense is any indication, Ohio State's going to move up to two. Alabama, for all intents and purposes, basically has a bye this week with whatever cupcake they're playing. A week after that, though, they've got uh, Auburn. And um, Bama's already clinched the SEC West. And that means they're going to their conference championship game. And if they win their conference championship game, they're in the playoff. So that game against Auburn really doesn't mean anything. I, I will I will counter and say that I, I kind of see where you're going. Should they, should they maybe tank against Auburn? I'm not even uh, saying should they like tank in terms of like trying to lose, but let's say they only play their starters a half and they lose that game just because they don't really care. In that scenario, it would be entirely possible that Ohio State coming out of the last week of the regular season would be the number one team in the playoff rankings and have nowhere to play on championship weekend. Yeah, it's entirely possible. And personally, I... I'm going to say it's kind of weird. I think it almost might end up being better for Ohio State if they don't have to go to the Big Ten game 
um, because I'm thinking honestly at that point that they're going to be in regardless. So it races that chance that they lose to Wisconsin and play their way out of it. I think their best, I mean, yes, obviously the best situation is they win their next two. Penn State loses one. Ohio State wins the championship game because then they're definitely in. There's no question. But I'm not convinced that they're not in no matter what if they win out. And that's sort of where I'm leaning. Because um, like you said, if they're if they're one or two going into that last weekend, yeah, they're not going to have a game to play. But they'll still have one of the two or three best resumes and be pretty much widely accepted as one of the four best teams. Penn State's the team that's screwing this all up. I mean, if you're the Big Ten and you're like Jim Delaney, the conference commissioner, is like part of you thinking like the best case scenario would be to like make Penn State magically disappear. Like let's have uh, an officiating crew on the Penn State, the next Penn State games the next two weeks of uh, like Archie Griffin and Robert Smith and Joey Galloway. And uh... (laughs) I think, yeah, I think they're, they're, they're going to be huge Mark D'Antonio fans uh, in the last week of the season. Yeah, it's just because, I mean, you get Penn State out of the way. I know Michigan gacked on uh, Saturday night, and now their quarterback uh, has the the shoulder injury there, so he's out for the rest of the season. But we get to see John O'Corn. That's the backup for Michigan, and it's a great name, not a great quarterback. <laughs> That's not a great quarterback name. I think it's, it's, a, it's a good It's a good name, name for a laugh, but... We've talked about this before with like to have a good quarterback. I swear to God, it's like one of those irrational things that I think about how a good quarterback needs to have a good name. Like if you just knew nothing else and you heard Ohio State lost its two quarterbacks and it's got to turn to Cardale Jones. Cardale Jones sounds like if you knew nothing else about him. That's a pretty boss name. That's a boss name. That's a badass sounding guy right there. And he was and they won. But. Yeah, O'Corn is uh, not doing it for me. But eh, fair be- enough. Best of I luck think, to the I school think it's up north. Enough, but no, fuck them. <laughs> Couldn't slip that, that guy, one by you. No, I hope that guy breaks his arm too. <laughs> I hope I hope Harbaugh himself has to throw pads on at halftime. <laughs> Although he might be the best quarterback on Michigan's sideline, so <sighs> he yeah, might watch be. what I wish for there. Even with those creeper glasses he's wearing. Oh now, my but... god, what is that about? I don't know. He just decided one day. I'm I thought they buried those with Woody Hayes. That's uh, right. In 2016. That's not a good look. Right. Oh my god. He that dude just. He's a hell of a football coach, but he is. He's a weirdo, out there, man. He's a weird dude. I heard him on the radio the other day, going on espousing the uh, the amazingness of SpongeBob SquarePants. Oh. Like going on and on about how much he loves and respects SpongeBob SquarePants because. Uh, he attacks every day with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind, which is one of his go-to lines that he uses all the time. But uh, he's, you're just listening to this guy and you're like, really, you're, you're still going with this. Like you're really riding out the SpongeBob thing. Yeah. The, but, uh, the wheel is still spinning and the hamster is dead. That's uh, my goodness. Let me get last thing I wanted to ask you about Ohio state. Um, then we can move on. Let's just say Ohio state wins out. They beat Michigan. They finished the regular season 11 and one again, but for whatever reason, they get left out of the playoff for a second year in a row. Do you as an Ohio state fan consider this a failed year? That's a tough question. Um, 
Yeah, pro- I mean, probably because they're one of the four best teams and they should be playing in that playoff. And, I mean, you can't really blame anyone but them if they don't make it because they choked that game away against Penn State. It's kind of on them. Um, I'm not going to – I don't know. That's such like a black and white determination, I think, that it's hard to say. But, yeah, I mean, you have to look at it as a disappointment. I don't know if it's a failure, but it's definitely a disappointment. See, I, I guess I would look at it more as an indictment on the system than the team itself, because I, I think I think last year is a would be a bigger, uh, bigger failure than this year. Yes, definitely. definitely. And this year would be I mean, and this year would be pretty similar. So it's hard for me to say that this year would be a failure if, you know, they kind of follow the same model. They lose one game in conference, which keeps them out of the championship game. And then they end up going to a bowl uh, against, you know, some trash Notre Dame team who they won't have to play in a bowl this year. So that's sort of disappointing. It's hard to imagine that they could possibly by the uh, first week of December be 23 and two over the last two years and not even get into a playoff for two straight years. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it's just sort of these fluky things. Like the one game they lose is the worst game to lose. Um both times they're losing i mean last year michigan state was a good team but that was just this weird game with terrible weather and just nothing was nothing was going their way that night and it came back to bite them on a last second field goal and this year penn state was like yeah they you know they outplayed them they had a i think they had a 21 point lead in that game they had a pretty sizable lead and block punt block field goal shit here shit there and it's like yeah you had no business losing that game you just you didn't finish it for whatever reason. This one time this year, you didn't do what you needed to do. And I think with the best teams, that's sort of those, that's how most seasons go. I think, because you can't win a national championship every year. Even with Bama, you look, Bama's got a lot of seasons out there. They didn't, they've won a lot, but they've also had ones where it was like one game went against them and it ended up costing them. So Saban for all his national titles has only had one undefeated season, right? And I mean, he he backed into a couple like the one year he he lost to LSU, then somehow was managed to back into the championship game to play LSU again. Um, like they've they've sort of gotten that eternal benefit of the doubt. They're sort of the self fulfilling prophecy every year because they come in the SEC in general comes in with this huge reputation, and they don't ever have to really earn it. We've talked about this before. They don't ever have to really earn it because everyone just says, oh. They're all good, so if one of them loses, it's just because the other team was good. No one ever really accepts that. Maybe they're all pretty mediocre, Alabama obviously being the exception, but that's clearly what the case is this year again, too. Ellis, or, um, Alabama exception aside, I think the bowl game season the last couple of years might be starting to shift that perception of the SEC a little bit. I know um, – yeah, it is what it is, but no, you're right. I mean, the Bulls last year and that kind of culminated this year as well. And it's showing in the regular season. I don't think anyone is still out there trying to argue that the SEC is the best conference anymore. Paul Feinbaum himself even said the Big Ten is the yeah. best conference in the country this year. Yeah. And when he's saying it, you know, there's something to it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think in general, that sort of the luster has worn off regardless. Like I said, of the tagline we hear every week on CBS, um, it's not the best con. It's not the best conference anymore. It just isn't. Um, All right. So, 
call your shot. We've got two weeks left in the regular season, and then we've got conference championship weekend. So obviously a lot of things could still get thrown up in the air. But if you had to guess, you know, dusting off your crystal ball right now, what does the playoff bracket look like? Ohio State wins out, doesn't get to the Big Ten championship game, still makes the playoff. I'm going to say Alabama versus... I'm going to say Alabama versus Clemson. Actually, no, I'm going to say Alabama versus Washington. I'm going to say Washington wins out. Alabama-Washington is the one versus four, and Clemson-Ohio State is the two versus three. Hmm. Okay. If if Washington stumbles again, it's sort of embarrassing to say because there's no way the ACC deserves two teams because that conference is such trash. But... um. Louisville probably gets in if Washington gets a second loss and the ACC gets two teams in. See, I just from having watched a little bit of Washington and a little bit of Louisville this year, I feel like Louisville is a better team. Everybody feels like Louisville is a better team. Louisville feels like a team that, you know, they're, they're kind of in the same boat as Ohio state. I think most people think Louisville is better than Clemson. Um, they just happen to lose to them. Just like most people think Ohio state's better than Penn state. Um, Louisville probably, you know, if Louisville had lost to anyone other than Clemson, they'd probably be, you know, almost a lock to get into the playoff just because they would have the edge up in their conference and they'd be going to a championship game and that would be it. But their conference isn't good enough for them to really justify putting two teams in because none of those teams have really been tested. They've None of them have really played anybody good except for Clemson and Louisville who have played each other. And I guess Florida State's okay, but... I think some of their shines worn off as well. So it's, it's one of those things where I, I, I don't know if you look at them, the eye test tells you, yeah, Louisville's pretty good and Louisville's probably better than Clemson, but, but the resumes are very similar and one has a head to head. You might have to go with Clemson, but I don't know. We'll see, I guess. Yeah. I, I'll tell you, it doesn't seem likely just by the way things are shaking out here, but an Ohio State Louisville game, seeing uh, Lamar Jackson, who's probably going to win the Heisman, uh, the the Louisville quarterback playing against Ohio State, would be a lot of fun. Yeah, it'd be a, it would be astonishing if he didn't uh, win the Heisman at this point. He's pretty much got that locked up. Yeah, be interested to see if Curtis Samuel gets an invite. I think he probably should if he keeps going at the clip he's been going. Um, he's looking like he's going to have a thousand and a thousand. So. That's pretty impressive. Um, and if Ohio State keeps winning, I think he could be in that conversation. Yeah, I mean, the other thing with Ohio State is you've got so many studs there. I, I don't necessarily know if you can necessarily pin one of them as the guy for a, a Heisman ballot. I mean, you could make a case. I think, for... you, I think you have to with Curtis Samuel at this point. Like once they start, like they lost to Penn State, haven't looked that good. And... Since then, the big difference has been Curtis Samuel's involvement in the offense. That's been the big difference in them turning it around. So I think he's far and away the the front runner. Barrett's been good, but he hasn't been spectacular. Um, I think mostly because he hasn't had to be. Um, and that's not a knock against him. But um, no, I think Curtis Samuel is the the easy choice if it, if it came down to it. Okay. All right. Anything else on college football before we uh, move on? Oh, man. There's still so much. So much happened. It was such a good weekend. 
We needed I that. It was gonna be, I thought it was going to be so boring looking at the schedule. I thought I thought USC um, Washington had potential to be an entertaining game, and it was it was pretty good. But it was one of those weekends where like yeah, just absolute mayhem broke out. We needed that because like I just feel like this was starting to feel a little bit too um, I don't know if predictable, but you there it just seemed like there was a little bit too clear of a path for how this was going to shake out. Like Alabama was going to be in, Clemson had the inside track, and the ACC, the winner of Ohio State, Michigan, while those two teams just plowed through everybody else in their way. And, um, and then, you know, Washington. And uh, now there's some doubt and, and there's some other teams that have been brought back into it. I mean, you know, we didn't even mention like West Virginia. I mean, they've got a big game against Oklahoma this weekend. And I mean, they're kind of lurking on the periphery. If a couple things would break a certain way, they could almost sneak into the fourth spot in a playoff bracket too. Yeah, they're West Virginia is sort of a weird one. I, I I don't see that happening. Um, it would be kind of interesting if Oklahoma somehow worked their way back into it, considering how poor they started the season. You know, with the loss to Houston and Ohio State. Right. Um, but if they run the table in the Big Twelve, they could maybe get a leg up on the Pac twelve. Like if one of those Pac twelve teams plays their way out, but I think they'd have a hard time passing either one of the ACC teams, provided those teams keep only one loss. Yeah. All right. Well, we will. Uh, we'll definitely um, talk Buckeyes again before uh, the big game with Michigan here. So uh, let's uh, let let's put that one to the side for now. Um, not anticipating anything crazy this coming weekend in college football. Although, as you just said, we learned the hard way. That's not always a guarantee um, from what we saw this past Saturday. But uh, let's uh, let, let's go ahead and get the Browns out of the way. We, we've. Um, Spent a long time here not uh, not talking about them and doing everything we can to avoid it. And thank God we've had so many great things to talk about, whether it's Ohio State um, and uh, everything that they're doing this year. And uh, obviously the Indians gave us a great postseason run, but um, we were getting the antithesis of that with the Browns. Um, any uh, any big picture observations that that you've had with them um, anything that's been on your mind? Cause I definitely have a few things I want to get off my chest. Uh, the Browns have had a lot of terrible teams over the years. The NFL has had a lot of terrible teams over the years. This year's Browns might be the worst NFL team I've ever seen. That's it. That's all I got. All right. And I don't think that's a stretch. I, yeah. Um, Here's where I'm at. So I think it was last Monday night. I'm watching. It was what the bills and the Seahawks on Monday night football. Was that the Monday night game last week? Yeah. All right. So for whatever reason, I started thinking about other teams in the AFC East and it occurred to me that the Browns are playing all the teams in the AFC East. And um, I was starting to think about the jets for whatever reason. And I, and I sat there and thought for a good 30 seconds, did the Browns, play the Jets this year. Here's where my head is at with regards to what the Browns are in, 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 in my stream of conscious right now. Not only had they played the Jets, it was only a week before that that they played the Jets, and I was at the fucking game. That's how forgettable <laughs> this team is to me right now. And they got their asses kicked. Well, they they were they were winning that game for a while. Not that I got to see most of uh, the, uh, the, the good half. Um... That, uh, that that leads me to point number two. Um, if you're trying to kill off a fan base 
and you want to keep people away in droves, um, the Browns are giving you a blueprint for what their game day operations look like right now um, down at uh, at the factory of sadness. Uh, I, I am in no hurry, even if they get good again. <laughs> hold your laughter, please. Um, I have no desire to be back down there. So here's what happened. So I, I won these tickets on the radio a few weeks ago. And even as I was calling into the radio station, the thought crossed my mind, what in the hell am I doing here? But I went ahead and, and, and did it anyway. And I, I won the tickets. And I said, you know what? It's an October game. Um, probably be a nice day out. We've had a nice fall. Get down there early, tailgate with some friends. It'll be a good time, regardless of what happens in the game. Day before, I start calling around. Nobody I know is tailgating down there. Just nobody had any interest. Okay, fine. Wake up on Sunday morning of, of, of the weekend of the game. Pouring rain. All right. Probably not even going to even try to tailgate. Let's just, I, so I, the wife and I went down there and I said, let's just go get breakfast somewhere. And then we'll just go to the game. So we do that. We get downtown about 20 minutes before kickoff. We parked out on Lakeside, walk all the way down there. As we're getting to the gate, we learn of the NFL's clear bag policy, which having not been to a game, um, since Johnny Manziel's first uh, regular season start against the Bengals a couple years ago. I certainly know how to pick the, the great Browns games to attend. Um, we're informed you cannot bring a person to the stadium. I, to this day, I, I, and apparently this has been in place for a while. That's on me. I, I yeah, vaguely I had heard that. I, I vaguely heard of this clear bag year. policy. I did not realize it meant like all the way down to like a small purse. You couldn't even bring in fine. Um, walked all the way back to the car to drop that off, come back down, get into the stadium. It's still raining. And uh, by this point, the first quarter, there's a minute left in the first quarter. And neither one of us at this point has any real interest in what's happening on the field. Um, Cause these are two of the worst four teams in the league. And we, and the weather's terrible. Our seats that we won were terrible. So I said, let's uh, let's just go into the bar and, and grab a beer and just kind of get settled here and, and just sit down for a minute and, and dry off. Let me stop for a second. Yep. You won tickets. Yep. They weren't even good seats. They were uh, 25 rows up in the 500 level, about even with the goal line. So this, this radio station clearly like went on StubHub and dropped like 12 bucks. On giveaway tickets, right? No, it's uh, it was one of the the CBS radio stations, so they're a partner of the Browns. They were they were comped by the team, but it's hilarious to me that that actually brings me up to a, a, another point. When I got them in the mail, because they didn't tell me like where the seats were until I got them, you know, mailed to my house. Um, face value, if you are buying those tickets from the team, were seventy four dollars a piece. <laughs> You there could buy the pair for, I think, 30 eight. total. There are people that pay that much for eight games a year, doubled right? for two seats. Exactly. That's go, that's oh my, my point. God. Like, wh- why? Uh, it just it, it just adds to the whole mystique of, like, what in the world are, are, are how, how in the world do you expect to draw anybody down to these games? So we get into the stadium and we said, all right, let's just go into the bar and, and grab a beer. Now, they've done some renovations since the last time I've been in there. There used to be, uh, I believe it was the Legends Club behind the Dog Pound. That's gone. The Gridiron Club along the uh, south sideline. That's gone. 
So I see a, a door marked um, for uh, some sort of private club for uh, VIP ticket holders. And I, so I go up to the guy at the door and I'm like, Hey, listen, you know, we don't have VIP tickets. You, do you have a, a, a bar for like the, the non VIP people? And his words are, um, sorry, no, there are no bars here for ordinary fans. So way to make your fans feel like a million bucks for trudging down there to see your dog shit product and then referring to them as ordinary fans. In that, all fairness, your Browns fan level is the definition of ordinary. That it, it, You've done jobs in customer service at some point <laughs> in your life, right? Of, of course. Is that the language you're using with a paying customer? I, I would not if I were a, if I were a Browns employee I would kiss the ass of every person who managed to show up to that stadium right. and support that team for any reason. Yeah. So so there was that. So we we finally find a um a beer stand. I paid about uh you know 20 something dollars for for two drinks. Um which it is what it is. Um uh, the, the wife's uh uh, Jack and Coke was, you know, about the size of a Dixie cup, but that's neither here nor there. Um, for the hell of it, we decided to go up to our seats and they're just about exactly what you would expect. I will say this. Th- th- oh, by the way, this was also the game. We missed it because we didn't get in at time. This was the game with the go dog pound uh, banner getting uh, drawn out uh, over the, the dog pound section all out of order. So oh, uh, one. yes, that's the one. <laughs> Good to Poda one. Yeah, that was a Poda wand. Right. So um, the one thing I will say is I uh, uh, they did a a halftime ceremony honoring the 86 Browns. And they had like probably about 25 or 30 players and they had Marty Schottenheimer there. And that was really cool. So I I will tip my hat to the Browns. Their their on the field product this year is terrible. Their, um, Their their stadium is garbage to me I, I i can't stand being in that place but honoring that team uh that they did a really nice job with that so um that was the one highlight of the day but uh it it just there there was and, and the last thing i will say about this um i've spent so many S- sunday afternoons i've gone down there in past years and everybody is all excited when they're walking into the stadium even though you know the team's going to be five and 11 or four and 12 on the year. People are still fired up. They're still chanting. Here we go. Brownies walking into the stadium and you still see people pissed off walking out of the stadium. Can't believe we lost today. People are surprised every week. Like it is incredible how much people are still like caught off guard by this. Right. Get it. I'm telling you though, when I was there uh, a few weeks ago for this game, that was over. There was, during the game, I've seen preseason games with more people in the seats. um, And there was almost no engagement in relation to what was actually happening on the field. It felt like a baseball game in early July. Like, you'd get to a third down with the defense on the field and the scoreboard's flashing and, you know, the announcer, it's third down or whatever, and, and trying to get everybody all revved up. Nothing. No, people could not care less. And the game went predictably, uh, you know, how they're all going this year. Team puts up a fight for a while and ultimately it falls apart in the second half and they lose. And um, we left midway through the fourth quarter um, when it became pretty clear that they were toast. And uh, walking out of the stadium, nobody was even mad. 
there was a steady stream of people and it was just like, ah, ho-hum, you know, let's uh, let's go get ready for the Indians game tonight because uh, the World Series was still going on. And to me, that was more dangerous than people being pissed off because at least when the people are pissed off walking out of there, they still care. And that was the first yeah, time I really felt like can get them next week. people don't give a shit anymore. And, and I, I think as a fan base, it felt like that was the first time I really felt like spirits have been broken. And that was tough. I, yeah, I know it's got to be close. I know you and I, we never really get our hopes up for them anyways. We're not, we're not, we're not that, that diehard, I guess. Um, but I mean, we know a handful of people that are like that. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know how they do it anymore. And I, mean, I hope you're right because I think, um, I think fan complacency is the only thing that's going to get them to kick their asses in gear. But um, in the past, they've sort of just been, you know, cashing the checks and not really having to do anything. People are going to pay and show up and that's that. And it doesn't really matter the product on the field. So hopefully some of what you're talking about um, pushes them to, you know, actually get, actually get better on the field. Cause I feel like every off season we hear about, you know, Oh, we're making these improvements to the stadium and we're doing this and the game day experience is going to be so great. You know, what makes games game experience great being fucking competitive, having a chance to win games. Um, so hopefully they get that taken care of sooner than later. Here's the thing. Um, I think just looking at the state of the NFL in general and looking at just really the way we perceive the NFL um, and the NBA and Major League Baseball and a lot of the way that we perceive those leagues is based on the product that we're getting locally. And, you know, the but with the case, especially I think right now with the NBA and the NFL, what we're getting locally from our, our Cleveland teams is extremely in line with the state of the leagues in general, respectively. Um, I think the NBA is in the best position that it's been in in the past 25 years. Um, you just look at television ratings. You look at the interest level in the product. You look at just the, the positive energy around the league. Um, people are having fun with it. It's it's a it's a young league. I think young fans are really getting drawn in. Um, there's a lot of fun. And then like locally here, I mean, obviously we got the reigning champs, but um, you know the Cavs. We're going to get into the Cavs more here. I promise soon. Um, I think they're right now in a golden age that's far and away better than anything we've ever gotten in franchise history. And you look at the NFL right now, and maybe it's not this bad everywhere, but the NFL product, I think overall is, is bad compared to where it's been in past years. And the Browns are the worst example of that bad product. Um, I, I know like the league had a really good Sunday yesterday, with uh, the Steelers and the Cowboys in the late afternoon game. And then um, with the Seahawks and the Patriots later on. Um, but if you look at it through the first half of the season, I think the ratings for all their primetime games in each of the different packages, the Thursday night, the Sunday night, the Monday night, all of those were down about 20% um, uh, television rating wise. And um, yeah, ratings have been bad all year. And, it, and uh, it's just how many like bad games and just poorly officiated games and and just teams that you don't really care about watching. Um, I, I honest to God, I feel like, you know, a lot of people hate the Patriots. I don't like the Patriots very much. Um, a lot of people hate the Cowboys. They're kind of a guilty pleasure for me. I, I tend to watch a lot of their games. Um, 
The NFL needs them. For as much as we want to talk about having parity and everybody feeling like they have a chance, um, who are you excited to actually watch right now in the NFL? Anyone? Honestly, the NFL doesn't really interest me that much in general. Um, if if I go like a, an entire Sunday without watching football, I'm not really that disappointed. I'll throw it on because I'm usually doing stuff around the house, but I'm not sitting down like dedicating three and a half to four hours to watching a game um, until the Browns get competitive because that's the team that I actually am interested in and care about. But no, I don't. I like watch. I mean, I'll tune in and watch the Cowboys because I like Zeke and he's exciting. He's having a good rookie year. Um, the NFL needs them right now between yeah. Zeke and, and Dak Prescott um, and just having some new faces and some star power. I mean, I, they, the NFL needs those guys badly right now, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't know that it really matters which team they're on. I think as long as you have those stars, it helps. Now, it's certainly it's sort, certainly an added bonus so that, it, that they're on the Cowboys and the Cowboys are having a really good season. But I think those guys in general just breathe life into teams like – um, like the Seahawks, for example, they weren't like a big popular team and they had a little bit of success, um, got really popular sort of overnight. And I mean, it was on the back of guys like Richard Sherman, who admittedly I'm not a big fan of, um, but Richard Sherman and Marshawn Lynch and these guys that, you know, had that sort of polarizing star power and it made them into this team that was incredibly popular. Um, yeah, they absolutely need those guys. Um, they just need more of them. Let me ask you this. I mean, you're, we're talking about star power. Who's the face of the league right now? Oh, that's a good question. Um, wow. Uh, it's probably Cam Newton, but he's having a bad year. See, that's the th- um, that was the first thing that came to me, and, and it, it kind of led me back to thinking about last year's Super Bowl because, you know, that I, I know I probably make a disproportionate number of, like, old wrestling analogies, but you know, back in the day when a guy was going from one company to another, he always lost on his way out um, and kind of passed the torch to the, to the next guy that was going to carry things um, in the, in the territory or the company that he was leaving. And the Super Bowl last year for all intents and purposes, I mean, the last 15 years or so, Peyton Manning's been the NFL, you know, the, the face of the NFL without question. And, you know, he was in the Super Bowl last year and Cam Newton was in the Super Bowl, and I, I think the the Panthers were favored in that game, right? Yeah, pretty right. Pretty so heavily, I, think. I, I think the big storyline going into that was like this was going to be the big passing of the torch type of game, and then the Panthers came out, didn't play real well. Cam didn't play particularly well. Peyton Manning didn't even play very well, and his team still won. And then he, he goes off and well retires for much of last year. But right, so so he, I mean, he kind of went limp into the finish and still won. And then rides off into the sunset with the Super Bowl title, basically. And then, you know, the whole thing that probably didn't help matters, although it's not the end of the world to me. Like Cam Newton didn't really have a very good performance in the post game either with the walking out of his press conference or whatever. So it's like if you're looking for him to become like the, you know, carrying the torch going forward or whatever, that was a horrible um, night for the league, I think. And yeah, kind of a worst case scenario. Exactly. And then you come back this year and all of a sudden the Panthers go from 15 and one last year to probably missing the playoffs now, especially after they got beat yesterday. Um, 
that hurts. And, and I mean, you can only go back to Brady and Belichick in uh, New England for so long. Um, and I mean, I, I, so yeah, it gets us back to guys like Zeke Elliott and, and that, I mean, he might, he might be the face of the, of the league this year. He certainly made the Zeke. biggest impact. I think yeah. those two guys yeah. is a package deal. Um, reviving the Cowboys and, and Zeke, especially with the way he's played and, 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 and what he's done since he's really gotten settled in and, and rolling. It's um, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to me to see what they look like uh, in the playoffs. Yeah. Talk about being like drafted into the perfect situation for Zeke. I mean, not a ton of pressure on him. I don't think even though he was the fourth overall pick, but that offensive line is incredible. The defense has been serviceable. I mean, they're not, they're not like all world or anything, but they're, they're decent enough. And somehow Dak Prescott has turned into a, a pretty damn good quarterback. I don't know that he's great. He's not going to light the world on fire, but he's pretty damn good. Um, to the point where I think they came out today and officially said, you know, Romo's going to be a backup going forward. Yep. So I think that means Tony Romo will be, uh, your next Browns starting quarterback next year. <laughs> if I were to guess. It's either going to be him or oh, there's someone else, some other name I heard thrown out there, and it made me laugh. I can't remember who it was though. Like Phil Rivers or somebody like that. Or... No, uh, I can't. E- remember. Eli? No, no, it's not going to be Eli. <laughs> Eli's never going anywhere. Um, but I, I don't remember who it was, but it doesn't really matter. Um, but no, I think you're right. They need. I think Zeke is probably, um, one of the few bright spots this season in terms of, you know surprises or um, new things to get people excited about the league. Cause I think people are kind of getting tired of the same old stuff. Yeah. And let's be clear. I don't think he ever would have looked anything remotely close to this. If he was drafted by the Browns, having it's said that, pretty good. he would have, he would have helped. He would have yeah. helped a lot. And I, I hope that that's a lesson for the Browns going into this draft coming up in uh in 2017 and it's depressing as all hell and to be uh not even to the browns bye week yet and we're already talking about the draft but um they need some home run hitters they need somebody that's going to spark excitement uh and they need somebody it's because you can i i'll i'm willing to write off an 0 16 year i i really am um I came in with zero expectations and um, pretty much it's been when you have the injuries that they've had pile up on an already bad roster. um, You kind of got to just shrug your shoulders a little bit, but um, next year the the turnaround's got to start. You got to, you got to push in with these draft picks at some point. You can't keep, you know, pushing it back another year. So We'll yeah, see. And in, in fairness to your previous point, though, um, when you put the Browns bye week at week 13, it's pretty much a given we're going to be talking draft before it. That's true. So I wouldn't really read too much into that. Yeah. And, you know, that let, let's be 100 percent clear. And this is one of the other things I've been kind of sitting on for a while. The, the Browns right now, make no mistake about it, they are nothing more than cannon fodder for the rest of the league. And, and that is how the NFL views them. I think the NFL has a, a, a select group of teams that gives a shit about, 
and schedules its marquee games accordingly. And all the games that get stuffed at one o'clock are basically the leftovers and, um, and they fill in the blanks around the schedule as they need. And the worse you are and the lower you are on the totem pole, uh, the worse your lot in life is going to be. Um, so it's not an accident that the Browns get five of their first seven games on the road. And, um, you know, they, they get a, a week 13 by and, uh, you know, they get a Thursday night game. That's only on the NFL network and, and no other primetime games. And, um, even though they're playing probably the most glamorous division in the league this year, the NFC East in terms of television ratings. So, um, yeah, they got a long, long way to go. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. It's, it's sort of the same thing every year. I think this is one, this is probably, I hope the first time we can really count on ownership to give them a little bit of time to sort of get their ducks in a row before they start making any, uh, rash decisions, but you can never be too sure. And I hope they do. I, I, I don't want this to be like, you know, I, we're here we go again. We're hearing the whispers on the Sunday morning pregame shows yesterday about, Oh, there's tension in the building over there and there might be changes this off season. You know, if you don't learn from history, you're going to repeat it. And it's like, how many times can we go down that road? I, I think we all knew going into it, that this was going to be a more radical, um, reshaping of the roster. Maybe it's more complicated than it needed to be. But uh, if you were expecting anything better, significantly better than, than what we've gotten this year, I mean, you're kidding yourself. So, I mean, at this point, I mean, what do you got to lose? You got to see it through, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, and I think they've kind of, the way they've built this team showed that they weren't really expecting much this year. No. So to to give them to trot the roster out there that they have, and then go and you know, truthfully pitch a fit about not winning a lot of games, I think would just be insane. <laughs> it is. So, all right, I think uh, that that will conclude for the foreseeable future our uh, discussions of the NFL and the Browns. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably fair to say. We 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 got them out of the way. That was our get them out of the way game. So. Um, Thank God, got that off the plate, and we can move on to greener pastures. And um, the Cavs are, are reigning and defending NBA champs. So uh, I think next time we might need to uh, sneak one and uh, dive into that a little bit further. What's that? Dive into that a little bit further. Yeah, you know, I, I wanted to do a, a full-on preview of them before the season started, and then you know, a, a whole like World Series went and got in the way. So we've uh, we've just had a bunch of other things going on. I, I think we need to to do a full-scale dive on the Cavs and. You know, we obviously have got uh, the big uh, Ohio State-Michigan game coming up as well. So far more pleasant and exciting things to talk about, thank God. Anything uh, anything else you want to unload on uh, before we uh, get out of here for the week? Yes, sorry. Um, <laughs> so as we discussed, I need to deliver a quick mea culpa here. We try to avoid politics on this podcast at pretty much all costs. But uh, last week I lost a couple things. Uh, first, I lost a little bit of faith uh, I had in the humanity and rationality of the American people. Uh, second, I lost a bet. Um, in a drunken text exchange a few weeks ago, um, I was d- debating some politics and put uh, with one of our buddies put uh, some outrageous odds on Hillary winning the uh, election. So obviously, I lost this bet. 
Um, while normal folks would just say, yeah, you're drunk ass, you owe me a beer next time I see you, the one person I was talking to is the one person who would take this scenario 100% seriously. Um, so I agreed to fessing up to uh, welching on our bet here on this podcast, making it public on the record. Um, so for the record, yes, I did welch on a bet, and there is there is absolute shame in that. Um, unfortunately, I can think of about 60 million more people that should be far more ashamed than me. So there it is. It's out there. And the politics of the nail is done forever. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I have nothing to add. I, I, I do not want to get into politics. Um, I've always kind of looked at this thing as um, being a safe haven for us in terms of keeping my sanity. And uh, <laughs> this I'm, will never come up again. I, you I did what you needed for, to do. And, I apologize uh, for dragging it in here. All right. I agree. All right. That's uh, that's done with. So, um, you know, we'll uh, we'll see where things go. And, um, you know, it is what it is. But uh, anyway, go Cavs, go Cavs, go Buck guys. I'm not even I'm not even giving the Browns my support. So, <laughs> so they, 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 they haven't merited at this at this point. I've only got so much. Um, I, I, I made this analogy with someone a while ago. I've only got so much fan like capital that I can yeah. invest. I right now putting it in the Browns is not a good idea. No, it's I'm, not a, it's not a strong, not a strong investment. No, no, I'm uh, I, to, just to show you where I'm at the, this coming Sunday. They've got the Steelers at home and knowing that full well, I, I bought tickets to go take my daughter to the, the Disney uh, stage show over at the queue down the street, knowing that it full well that it was at the same time. So are tickets going to be pricey for that game? Um, I mean, I, I, I assume no matter what, it's going to be over overrun by Steelers fans, but. Is there so many of them that it'll drive the ticket market up, you think? Maybe a little. Not that it impacts me. I'm not paying money to go watch the Browns, but. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I don't know. I, I All I know is I got my uh, my Disney Live tickets uh, at face value from uh, thequarena.com, and it'll be a fun family afternoon. So. There you go. Beautiful. Get your flash seats ready. That's yeah, right. <laughs> I'm actually going to, my first, uh, I'm going to my first Cavs game of the season this Friday. Oh, are you? Yeah, they're playing the Pistons. Okay, so I'll be uh, I'll be down there next Friday, uh, the night after Thanksgiving. So yeah, that's supposed to be a big one. That's supposed to be a good game. I will I'm I will be in Columbus that night, uh, preparing for the following day. But um, I know a few people actually that are coming into town and stuff for Thanksgiving and catching the Cavs on Friday while they're here. So yeah, I'm looking forward um, to it. I they're, that's they got a pretty good atmosphere. It sounds like that's the first game that's been sort of like a hot ticket to go to. Mavericks, uh, Mavericks are in town. I, I know Dirk's had some injuries. I, I'm i hoping he's back and playing for that game because that's one of those guys that's kind of been on my long-time checklist to see play live. So um, fingers crossed on that, but uh, should be a good time. So, all there right. Nice. Sounds good. Good good deal. All right. So, uh, hey, thenailpodcast.com, um, facebook.com slash thenailpodcast. Uh, subscribe to our show on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play or wherever you're at um, listening to your podcasts. And, uh we will be back uh, back soon, so we will talk to you then. I'm Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. 
The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. <laughs> 